Thank you very much to uh, the mission team. Uh, uh, you probably got a sense of uh, the kind of uh, experience and time we had. Uh, that was the, we did that on the final night. That was the last thing we did before we left. Uh, it was a blessing for the people there uh, because the main theme throughout um, was simply the fact that we are all children of God. We are all loved and beloved. That was the essential message we wanted to, sh to share, that we are all loved. Everyone is precious in the eyes of God. We thank you for all of your uh, prayers and support. Uh, this is not just something uh, that we do in isolation. This is a, a church that is being sent, and uh, the church then commissions uh, certain people to go on its behalf. So really, this was all of you present with us in your prayers. Uh, and we, can, we could feel those prayers uh, during our time there. And that really strengthened and equipped and empowered the team to be as one. Uh, so uh, we are happy that we're back. I know that they're tired. Uh, we uh, took an 11 o'clock, the bus came at, and we left at 11 p.m. Uh, on Friday night. Uh, the bus driver is kind of a little crazy, so we couldn't sleep on the bus because he kept swerving, right? <laughs> I had to go up to him. I was like, is everything all right? And he's like, yeah, it's just the wind. We're like, right. But we got there uh, around 2, and then um, it was 8 o'clock flight, so not much sleep, but hopefully uh, uh, everyone's rested now. Uh, today's passage is from Revelation. Uh, it's at the end of it. The writer of Revelation, uh, he received this vision. Right? He talks about the new heaven and new earth. So he compares the new order to the old order. The old order consists of death, mourning, crying, and pain. But in the new order, tears are wiped away. Death is no longer mourning, crying, and pain are no longer. The things of the old order are no longer. It's such a beautiful vision for the kind of world that God wants for us. Sadly enough, we experienced so much of the old order during our mission trip this past week to Sioux Valley, Dakota Nation. We saw many tears. We experienced many tears. Now, Sioux Valley is a beautiful place in southwestern Manitoba. As you can see, the landscape is just so beautiful. You look at the land, it's, it's very peaceful. They are a beautiful people with beautiful hearts. So from now on, we're going to call them the Dakota people. That's what they are. So we don't want to call it indigenous mission. We want to call it our Dakota mission. Our relationship with the Dakota peoples. Such, such warm souls. We felt so embraced and loved by them. But the legacy of colonialism, residential schools, and everything else that this country, our governments, and the society has enacted upon them is still visible in the lives of the people today. In Sioux Valley, every day seems to be a repeat of the old order of things. Every day, literally, is a catastrophe waiting to happen. You just never know what tragedy the next day will bring. There's a lot of pain. Drugs have really uh, infested the community and its young people, particularly uh, meth. Even on, uh, while we were there on Wednesday, some, uh, a young person he died from an overdose. 
a lot of pain, a lot of suffering still. One evening, we held a worship service at the local church building that's owned by the community, the Sioux Valley Community Church. So we had a worship service there. Some kids uh, just from the neighborhood, I guess they saw cars that were parked. They were very curious. So they came in and, uh, and peeked in. And so Sarah uh, Park, she went out kind of to talk to them, and she asked them, oh, uh, where, where are your parents? One of the girls is, uh, oh, I don't know, my, my mom is dead, so I'm living with my auntie. Uh, I don't know, though, where I'm going to be tomorrow. And another one was, oh, yeah, my, my dad died, so I'm staying with uh, one of my grandmas. So she invited them to uh, come join us the next day. But they were all like, well, I'm, I'm staying here today. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow. I said, day-to-day, precarious. They don't even know where they will be staying. And they spoke so matter-of-factly, though, as if it is an everyday occurrence. I mean, any one of these, this is just, I mean, one among so many stories that we all heard. It's, It's not even isolated to certain individuals. It's like every individual in that community has these kinds of stories. Uh, the songs invi- uh, t- uh, invited me along to visitation to an old faithful uh, friend of theirs uh, named Martha. She's like a Christian. She's been there for a long time. She went through residential schools herself, uh, and, uh, uh, but she's still around. And uh, we talked. She shared her heart, uh, her concerns about the community, her wishes. And then uh, we were going to close. We closed with prayer. And while I was praying, uh, suddenly uh, some people came in. It turned out to be one of her sons and then his son and a nephew. And while I was praying, I, could, I started to hear sniffling and then some crying. And so when I finished the prayer, I, uh, I asked, oh, is, you know, first Martha introduced who that was. And I said, is everything okay? What's going on? And he just, he started to explain. He had just come from his house where he got into an altercation with his girlfriend. There was some conflict, and I don't, we don't know exactly what happened, but he was afraid that she was going to call the, the police and, you know, would he have to go to jail again or things like that. So just every day is filled with an uncertainty of what will happen. And so I prayed for him. And he's a grown big man, but just a man weeping in tears. It's just the weight of everyday life sometimes that surfaces. How do, you, how do you function in a world where every day there's a catastrophe waiting for you? We held a memorial service at the community cemetery. And after uh, I conducted that service, it was special for me too. I've never conducted a funeral service, but I just did it on the spot. But afterwards, I looked around at the cemetery. You know, you can see uh, for those that have a, a stone or something you see the dates of when they're born and when they die and something that just really hit us is so young you know for us nowadays we we expect to live well into old age 80s even 90s nowadays and if someone passes away in their 70s or 60s oh we say you know it's we celebrate their life but it's still unfortunate still, we think of it as early now. But my goodness, look at the tombstones. If you, 30s, 20s, even teens, and even a few that were babies when they passed. 
I think uh, the deeper you go in, uh, those are older graves. So there you see a little bit more into their 40s, 50s, 60s. But as we got closer to where we were, the average just starts really going down. So death, it's not just a, a, a figurative thing that Revelations is talking about in the old order. It's a very real and live thing in this community. So many health issues too. Everyone has diabetes. And I think health is a big reason why life expectancy is so much lower there too. The legacy of residential schools, colonial policies, and everything else has destroyed families, destroyed cultures, destroyed ways of life, and even their bodies. But as I was there, the most lasting legacy is the legacy of damaged hearts. Damaged hearts. You see, a, a heart that is damaged cannot receive or give love properly. It doesn't know how to receive or give love. And so a damaged heart, in turn, inflicts damage onto others too. In their families, in their friends, in their communities. A damaged heart sees no hope or purpose. So what is really needed is healing for damaged hearts. Hearts to be mended, to be bounded up again. And the ingredient that the heart needs for healing is love. Love is the most important thing that we all need for hearts to be healed so that the heart can love again. As we began the trip for all of us, except for uh, the songs and Jack, it was our first time, so we didn't know what to expect. We weren't sure how it was going to go. Would people uh, be open to us, right? Would they welcome us? So on the first day, the program's lunch is supposed to start at 12.30, and 12.30 arrives, there's no one there, it's just us. So we're kind of looking at you, we're very stressed and nervous, right? That morning we had gone door to door as well to invite, and we were, we, the reception was just, a lot of people just didn't answer, open their doors. But then an interesting thing started to happen. Some kids started to trickle in, and these kids were children of those who used to attend this camp uh, at the old church that the songs used to attend. You know, they went for about 15 years, in 2002 to 2015. And so it's like, they're them and their kids. And some of these that, that who used to be kids are kind of grown now, and they're big, right? They're coming, and it's like, oh, is Sarah here? Is Jim here? And then they came to say hi, and then they brought their kids. You see, after all these years, they still remember the love they received at these camps. And for us, it's such a small thing. We're there for like less than a week, not even. And yeah, we think we're suffering, but it's nothing. We come back to our good lives. But for them, they remember the love that they received. 
as the days kind of went on, word began to spread about our presence more and more. So uh, as the days went on, when we did our door knocking, some, more people would open their doors and some would say, oh, are you the Koreans from Toronto? <laughs> That's what we're known as. We're known as the Koreans from Toronto. Right? So we would say, yes, we are. Yes, we are. And more and more people came. And no surprise, obviously the most popular thing was the food, our meals, right? And people came and came for the meals. And you can see from some of these pictures, the place was bustling at mealtime. I think uh, by the end, we had around 100 people in the community showing up for the food. So really, our unsung heroes from this trip was our kitchen crew, right? I want to really show our appreciation for them, huh? These guys. I mean, really, from morning till night, they were slaving away, right? This picture from our final feast, all hands on deck, right? Because let me tell you, uh, our, these Dakota brothers and sisters, they can eat, right? They love the food, and especially at the Korean, any food. We sometimes make pasta, sometimes make bulgogi. Sorry, I'm pronouncing it like that, right? Bulgogi. Like, oh, is this some bulgogi? Do you have kimchi? I mean, uh, with technology, they know all about these things, right? They could eat. And so, I mean, we just had to serve and serve. But that was our little gesture of love. And I mean, they felt it, right? They, they felt it. And uh, their smiles, and uh, they came uh, and to eat. So I'm really thankful for everyone in our team. They didn't all stay for worship service, but that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> I won't even say they didn't all. Most did not, right? But hey, we were happy to share our love with them. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It is the tiniest of seeds, but it grows into the greatest shrub. And the birds uh, can find a nest and shade in that tree. Love is like a tiny seed. It's not visible when it's planted. But if it is nurtured and grown, it has the possibility of becoming a great tree that bears fruit that others can enjoy. Love is what we all need. So the kids, they started to come and they came. You know, like magnets get attracted to a metal? Kids just started flocking. 50, 60, 70 kids and youths. So these are just some pictures of some of the kids and uh, this is our last worship. So the first uh, worship for the kids, it was just, yeah, it was a handful of people, but kind of grew and grew and grew. And then by the end, all these kids that stayed and that participated, singing songs and dancing. I mean, what a beautiful sight. So I mean, Pastor Dave and like the, the, the lead, our young leaders, uh, it is such a great job with the kids, you know? What was that? Oh, that nice, nice, nice pose, Braden. What was that? Jesus on the cross, you know, or something. I mean, there's some of the youth. I mean, this is a core group of youth from day one to the end. They, they were there right till the end. I mean, and then the other thing, these kids, they wouldn't leave. <laughs> they wouldn't go home, right? So these, these uh, our young leaders, they're dog tired. But still, I mean, they're just playing with them, playing, playing with them until night. I mean, uh, so they developed the same bonds with the children, that uh, the, the people from that in the past built with their parents, really. 
And the thing with Sioux Valley is a lot of, a lot of people do uh, have to move away for jobs and opportunities. So there's a city nearby, Brandon. <laughs> it's about a half an hour away. But uh, there are some parents from there because that had gone to the camps growing up in Sioux Valley. They brought their kids every day before work, drop them off, go back to work, and then after work. I mean, that's, that's motivation, right? I got to tell this to our parents of our church and our summer camp. This is what parents did because they... Uh, they wanted the same experience for their children. And their chil- there's, there's a picture of some of these kids, you know. Yeah, th- that's Amari and Adrian, that's Michaela. Uh, this is Jason, is it? Justin, yeah, yeah. So these guys, they, they grew up uh, uh, going to these camps. That's Justin's family and then their daughter Lillian now. Uh, uh, she attended and she loved it, right? They're so attached to our uh, counselors. So it was really hard saying goodbye on the last night. After a final blessing, you know, going around, hugging, there's so many, many tears that were shed. Oh, I'm getting choked up here too. And everyone kept asking, are you guys going to come back? Are you guys going to come back? You know, obviously nothing at this moment is guaranteed, so I just had to keep responding, yes, I really hope so. I really hope so. Uh, there are there is a, a small group of uh, people there, mainly women, who are uh, faithful believers. Yeah, you know, this is a picture of some of them, right? Uh, uh, Marilyn and Pauline and Terry and uh, I can't see my eyes are getting bad. Damari and uh, there, there's others. So there's uh, some who who still are believers, but there's no active congregation in the community. And so as we spoke with them more, they really have a desire for a pastor who can shepherd a congregation for them, a place for them to worship and pray, a place for children and youth to learn the word of God, to hear the message of Jesus' love, to have a safe place for love and the word to flourish, something to counter what they probably experience on a daily basis. And so they lament, there's a a gaping uh, wound in their heart that there's no such a place for them. It made me realize the second thing that people really need. So we need love. We also need a word that has the power to change hearts. You see, love heals the heart, but the word of God changes hearts. That is what we all need. We need our hearts to be healed and we need our hearts to be changed. Right? Life is about changing from the status quo. We need to grow. There needs a place where hearts can be changed by the word of God. And that is what the church is and what it's supposed to be. So that is on my heart as I was there. And I realized, we are so blessed here. Do you feel blessed by this church, my friends? We're so blessed. Every week we can come, we worship, we let out our hearts, we hear the word of God, we can share our burdens in prayer and fellowship with one another. We are so blessed. But in a way, I can see why Jesus said, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You know, I mean, there... uh, it was like a, a, a preaching marathon. I don't know how many sermons I had to prepare, like four, five, six, back to back to back. 
And, and, uh, and also, I mean, we were all in the band hall. We had nowhere else to go because outside was so hot. Inside was the only place, but it's like a, a, it's like a g big gym. You know how echoey it is? And you know it's like 60, 70 kids, how loud it is? I had no place to think properly. But you know what? Somehow the word of God just, just kept coming and coming to me. It's because I could tell the people who remained to listen. Their hearts were ready for a word of hope, a word of life. That's what Jesus means. Those who, are, know, who know they are poor in spirit, they are ready to receive the word of God. I admit, sometimes here it's a bit of a challenge because uh, sometimes I have to think, what else can I say that can pierce through numb hearts? Because right? life here, sometimes it makes us really numb. But there they were ready, hungering, because they don't have that kind of opportunity. So I really have a prayer that somehow there can be a church, a pastor, a community that can be with them day after day, week after week, and whom we can support and partner with. Because I realize, I mean, going once a year, it's great, it's a blessing. And like I said, that seed of love, uh, it, it does remain. But that seed of love needs to be nurtured continuously. They need a space where love and the Word of God is present on a regular basis. So I think we all need to pray together as a church for that community there too. This won't be easy. You know, young people, it's not just there, everywhere. They're not interested in hearing anything religious or spiritual. That's why, I mean, they enjoyed the food. But then as soon as we announce, okay, let's go over for worship, you know. <laughs> Or we even see some plates, right? It's all good. It's all good. You know, love is like, it's a seed planted. You know, when they're ready, it will sprout. But yes, I mean, young people, even there. So it's such a blessing to have all the kids there because even the kids, they literally spend all day at home just on their tablet or device. That's it. That's why there's a lot of childhood obesity. They don't move. But then so for them to come and, uh, and then kind of running and getting out of breath and after 10 steps, it was just, it was, it was amazing, right? <laughs> but it was such a blessed time. But it's not going to be easy. There is also, uh, I could sense, resistance to Christianity, especially among more established leaders of the community. And I totally understand it. Because all this damage in the first place was caused by Christians. Those who did things in the name of Jesus. In their, in their arrogance or uh, whatever it may be. I think greed and uh, with their power. They created so much damage that lasts to this day. But I came to see one thing very clearly. The central importance of love. Only love will heal. Not the religion or the spiritual form it takes. So I don't care if it's Christianity or traditional spiritualities or Buddhism, Islam, whatever it is. If love is not at the center, then it is not a faith or religion that will heal or create positive change. 
A religion that does not have love as, at its foundation will only divide, will only create further division. We have lots of work to undo the legacy of what people did in Jesus' name that was the opposite of who Jesus was. Jesus came to restore love at the center of life and how we live. There's nothing more simple and essential than that. Jesus came to love and to teach us how to love. And I read all the, the, the teachings became so alive there. You know, because of the damaged hearts, there's so much remaining anger, bitterness. It's even among relations, so much conflict. And then uh, hatred and then desire for revenge and the retaliation. And the cycle just continues from one generation to another. This is why Jesus said, you have to forgive your enemies, right? Healing will only come when forgiveness happens. That's how a community will find healing. But we can only forgive when our hearts are healed. And we have a teaching that can change our hearts so that we can forgive. We held a special prayer service on the last day for the believers in the community. Yeah, that's the chapel of that community church. And uh, that's a picture from the service that we had there. It was really nice. We sang hymns that they grew up with. So I thank Baba for playing the out-of-tune piano, uh, playing some of the old hymns, you know. And there I shared Jesus' last commandment to his disciples uh, in John. His last commandment was for, for them to love one another as I have loved you. That was his final commandment to his disciples. For some reason, uh, the believers, they, they all know each other, uh, but they don't really meet together. They don't meet together to pray. They don't meet together to worship. Followers of Jesus are called to love one another, to pray together, bear each other's burdens. We must always come together to worship, to pray, to share life. So I went around asking what they would like prayed for. We would pray for that person, and then I would pray out loud for them. There's a picture of, of, of that. And it was a wonderful, it was a powerful time of God's presence among us as we prayed for one another. It was the first time in a long time they had prayed for each other. Love is what remains at the end of the day. There's a young uh, kind of couple named uh, uh, Jody and Don. They were kids when uh, Sarah and June's old church went. We met them the first night on the basketball court. We just went up to them and said, hey, you know. And then uh, they recognized us. Oh, again, you're, you're the Koreans from Toronto, right? And then Jody was like, oh, you guys are the ones that did like karate and stuff, right? <laughs> we said, yeah, we are, we are. So come. Uh, so, and they ended up coming every day, even though there was no program for that age group. Uh, they came every day to eat with us and just to hang out. And just from the little conversations, I could tell they've been through a lot of difficulties. You know, I mean, Dawn is living with Jody and his aunt, and so I didn't ask. I don't know what her situation with her own family is. She has a three-year-old daughter, three daughter she hasn't seen in a little while, and uh, they were attending that week a program, uh, uh, a traditional spirituality program to help them with uh, addictions and things like that. Life is very challenging, yet I see seeds of hope because of love. 
she went around with a notebook asking everyone on our mission team to uh, write in it and sign in it. So we all did. I wrote that God loves her no matter what and to always remember that. And this is a letter she wrote to Jack because uh, she remembered him from way back, just thanking him. And, uh, you know, they feel a connection of the heart. Because human beings, we know when someone has genuine care and love for us. And that is what remains. Love is the seed of hope for a new world. That's what Revelation is talking about. There's a family there that Sarah and June got especially close to during their years there. Uh, this is from 2005. Uh, at the top is a, is a girl named Hannah. She was about eight years old then. And at the bottom is uh, Hillary. So we, we saw her there too. She's now grown. This is from 2019, many years later. Uh, so in the black t-shirt, uh, is Hannah. She was, I think, around, uh, well, 2019. So yeah, in her 20s at that time. Uh, maybe it's earlier than 2019. Uh, but yeah, so that Hannah, when they first met her, she was extremely shy and reserved. A lot of kids are at first, shy and reserved, wouldn't say a word. Uh, but over time, as they went back, she'd start opening up. And that's how they, their families got very close. Hannah went through many challenges, you know, including addictions, family issues, and, and thoughts of suicide. Uh, she, she, I know they, uh, Sarah and her had talked on the phone before, too. And then a few years ago, 2020, when after COVID hit, there was a medical complication. So she went in for surgery. And then, uh, I don't know the details, something happened. Something didn't go right, and uh, she unfortunately passed away. And so that was the person we held the memorial service for while we were there, uh, Hannah Sue. Uh, that's her grave right there. Yesterday, August 5th, would have been her 30th birthday. She was taken away from her family and friends way too young. It's too young. So their family was at that prayer service, and their prayer request was that they be able to get through yesterday. So we prayed for them. Prayed for them. So many tears run through the people of that community. But love carries the seed of hope for a new future. Their sister Hillary, who was that little girl, the youngest sister, she gave birth six months ago to a beautiful baby daughter. And she's so precious. So beautiful. They named her Hannah after their deceased sister. The old Hannah has passed away, but there is hope for something different with the new Hannah. She was at that prayer service in her stroller with her family. And so we had everyone in that chapel pray for her. We prayed that she may grow up embraced and surrounded by love. That God's arms of love would protect her and be with her under their, his wings. To shield her from the negative things that could come our way. That the life of new Hannah would wipe away the tears left when the old Hannah passed away. A powerful moment where we all lifted her up in prayer. 
The community carries much pain, but they are a resilient people. They are tight-knit. I thank God for the love that they have for their community. Even that guy, Justin, he lives in Brandon right now, but as I was talking briefly, he was saying, but I'm thinking I want to go back because I want to go back and help my community. Love is the hope for a new future. It is the only thing that can wipe away tears. When God brings about the new heaven and new earth, love will be the central ingredient in that new heaven and new earth. St. Paul said this about love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. My friends, life can be so difficult. But when there is love, there is always hope. Love overcomes all things. Love overcame death on a cross. When there is love, anything is possible. Let us pray for the people of Sioux Valley. Let us pray for love to heal our own hearts. Let us pray that God's will be done on earth in love.